Hello, friends, and welcome. Hello, friends, and welcome to Daily Bible Reading, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. And today we are drilling down, continuing the study of Revelation with Michael Mishkin. In chapter three of Revelation, we're picking up with the church in Philadelphia, beginning of verse seven. Hello, Mike. How are you, sir? Doing well. Doing well. I'm excited to be jumping back in here. I always love this. All right. Well, let's get right into it. I'll read the passage of Philadelphia and we can start chewing on that. So to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And again, all the names of the churches, they have meanings. Philadelphia is the, the brotherly love. We didn't go over too many of the other ones, but that's a very interesting name breakdown. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts, no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power. And have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my word of my perseverance. I also will keep you from the hour of testing. That hour is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem which comes down for out of heaven from my God and my new name he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches well, there's a lot of stuff in there that's got so much packed up in symbolism that's 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 deep <laughs> there's good stuff. so philadelphia is brotherly love or we got that the words of the holy one the true one who has the key of david who opens and no one will shut who shuts and no one opens what's all that about well he's his overall demeanor towards Philadelphia is more positive than some of the others. Um, and he's describing himself there, you know, before he goes into what he's saying, he puts this aspect of himself, the holy one who is true that has the key of David. Well, what's the key of David is what you're saying. Well, who is David? We know David as a character that God said, this is, this is a man after my own heart. This was a difference of the king Saul, who was not a man after my own heart. So David is a symbolic representation of the true sons of God. 
That's why Yeshua comes through the line of David. That's why David is the, you know, the symbolic understanding of the beloved, the ones who are truly beloved by God. That's what David means. Um, and who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one will open. So he's showing I'm the boss here. So, you know, I have the key of the true sons of God, the true people of God, the, the real understanding of that. That's what a key is, the true opening of something to what that understanding is. And what I open, no one's going to say. So nobody's going to stop him. You know, I'm the boss here. I'm going to make the way. And, you know, that's how it is. So that's how he identifies himself for this congregation here, this gathering of people who seem to be on point, uh, pretty much. And what's interesting, he goes on. You know, I put an open door, which no one can shut because, and the reason why, you have a little power. That's very interesting. So obviously there's some sort of identification of, you know, how you're progressing in the Lord, you'll have power. So these guys are doing pretty well. And it says you have a little bit. <laughs> I mean, Paul goes on and speaks in a different place. And he says, you know, the kingdom of God, the cross of God is about power. It's not about persuasive words. It's about true demonstration of God moving. So anyone who thinks that they're just operating in that, that was for then, that was for back in the day, not for now, does not understand the kingdom of God. If God is in our midst and we're truly operating in him, there should be power. Power is what? What is power? Did I, do we ever think about that? What's power? Something to chew on. Let's think about that what what is power what does power do for us what's the, what's the the greek word power here they're looking that up there's a few different words they use in greek see which one it is one of them is dunamis another one is exousia it's, uh, it's a yeah it's from dunamis okay. miraculous power might or strength there you go the greek word dunamai to be able to have power. Excellent. To be able. That word to be able, again, to go back into the Old Testament, when they mention the word temple, comes from the Hebrew word to be able. Yahol, pekal, is the Hebrew word for temple. So it's an enabler of God. So these guys are in the proper alignment with God. They're doing well. So God is able to dwell in their midst and move in power which is what we are. We're a temple of God. The temple of the Holy Spirit Spirit is our bodies. So if we're in proper alignment with him, doing things the right way, he should move in us and through us in power. You know, if you think back to when Solomon built the temple, went through all that painstaking design that David gave, that David made and then gave it to him so that his son could build the temple. Solomon means peace, which the prophecy of David was actually through, of Yeshua, reflected through Solomon. You know, your son will build my house, the temple. All of this is figurative pictures. And when he mm -hmm. built it, and he did it properly according to the design, not deviating and changing it, which is what the rebukes are when you're not following my way, and you're not in alignment with me, you're not my temple, you're not allowing my spirit to house within you, so I can come through you, so you're cutting me off. There's no power if you're doing it right. 
Solomon had, the glory of God filled the temple. They couldn't go in and they were just rejoicing and with joy and celebrating because the spirit of God was manifesting in the temple because they had themselves in the proper alignment and design according to the way it was supposed to be. All it reminds me. It, it reminded me of Matthew 16, where Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my church. That's how it's translated. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Like mm -hmm. nobody's going to close this door that I've opened. And what is a door? It's access. It's, a, it's, it's an entry point. And they have an open door, an access point to the power to know God to have a relationship with him and no one can shut that door. So it's a great picture. So on this rock though, if you go back and see what was the rock, it was the de declaration that you are the Messiah, the recognition, understand, but, the, but it's more than that because everybody proclaims that it's understanding, truly understanding with your heart, his way, because he's not just Messiah Yeshua. He's the truth. If when you're understanding the truth of God the right way, then you're on the rock and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Satan cannot oppose the absolute truth, the true expression of God. What Satan does is he goes and has you twisted. So you shut it off. You're not on that rock anymore. So now he has the power over you and he can shut it down. So now it has a form of godliness, but denies the power. Very interesting. Satan's power is granted to him by people, <laughs> uh, which, which brings us to verse nine. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. What is that saying to you? This goes into part of the history that was going on, that there was a lot of attack for the believers from Jews and even ones that were claiming to be believers. Because remember, Galatians is a whole book of Paul counteracting Jewish people claiming to believe in Messiah, but telling Gentiles that they can't really have partake in this unless you get circumcised and follow the way physically like Jews are supposed to under the first covenant, which was wrong. Paul had a whole dispute. He went back, you see in Acts, uh, him and Barnabas bringing that before the, you know, the apostles there and they had to pray and found that the Holy Spirit said, no, you know, we found that just a couple of things you guys need to do, but you don't need to be following this law like we do. So, and then there's unbelieving Jews that were enemies and they were constantly attacking them you know so the idea is trying to show the figurative understanding of what the jews are supposed to be representing and they're not fulfilling who they are but actually making themselves enemies to god in their opposition against the truth so that's what he's calling out here those who call themselves jews but you're not really of it that's where there's you know paul describes where he says not all israel is israel so not all physical israel is going to attain to spiritual israel so what you were supposed to be created for, which you had the rightful airship to, as all Jews do when they're born, you gave up. And now they go even further by opposing it, by fighting against it, 
<clears throat> whichever way they're doing to twist the true way of God. So God calls them a synagogue, a Satan. Synagogue is actually, it, it, I believe, comes from a Greek word to mean to gather. It's a gathering of Satan. You know, again, and it's not like, you know, this guy on the Grammys who's doing a, a Satan worshiping dance or whatever. That's not how Satan comes. That's the that's the laughing stocks of Satan. That's not even something to even be thought of. That's a joke. The real activity of Satan is you got to be careful as the people who try to pretend to be of God and with all these different ways and have outward appearance, but are really op opposing God in their ways of shutting down what the real workings of God with moves in power. That's what Philadelphia had. These guys were working hard to stay focused on God. And God said, you had power. You were operating in him. And the power, if we look at the simplicity of power, look at the electricity. Electricity is one form of power that we know of. We stick things in there and it make things run. You know, in the simplicity that I understand, it's the ability to affect change is what power is. You know, a TV is off, you plug it in, now it changes, it lights up, it starts to do. I mean, all aspects of power, power and strength in our arms, we are able to use our arms to adjust the environment. We make changes to the environment, so we have the power to change our environment. But what I'm trying to do here is to help people chew on the basic words that we think we know, but really understand what does it really mean? What is it? What are we really doing? And then you could see how you can relate it to what the power of God is. The power of God is obviously much greater, but he, if we allow him to come in us and through us, the ability to affect greater change for the kingdom will be there and be shown through all aspects, whether it be through miracles, you know, healing of the sick, raising of the dead, casting out demons, or the transformation of people's lives from the old ways that they were, which we, they were seeing back then. I mean, people were prostitutes, tax collectors, all selfish types of ways, and gave all of that up, sold everything they had, and gave their lives to one another, which is another that can only happen through power. But that power can only come through submission to God, his way, the right way, and not on religious ways that are always put upon us. And God and in his timing, I, I'm thinking of where it talks about them coming and bowing down before your feet, that they will learn that I have loved you. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament and his, he had his dreams and he goes to his brothers, probably naively and says, hey, guys, I had this dream that you guys were bowing down to me. And um, but it was prophetic. You know, they sold him off into slavery and boom, 20 years later, there they are bowing down to him. And God had exalted him and and it, and it was this this sweet um picture of god justifying him it's not the right word but but joseph was was kind of proven innocent like it, you know he wasn't this evil guy he just maybe wasn't the most mature and had to go through some things to learn but perhaps that'll be happening for us as well well and i think that's a great relative example that you used to show that i mean obviously you can't just tell these people hey guess what you're going to be bowing down to my feet like if these guys went walking out it's just like joseph saying hey i had a dream they're not going to go for it then but god if you stay true like joseph did no matter what and it's going to be tough but you stay true god will affect 
the circumstances of life that will make it where that will happen. And you will see it just like Joseph did. Remember, Joseph is just another example of a bigger picture here of what what all this was about. You know, it doesn't just stay at one simple thing of like, okay, Joseph represents the Messiah and how the people of Israel, that is a part of it. But there's many levels to understanding of how that works. That's why there's, you know, there's this level, it's true. And then at this level, it's true. It's all greater and greater levels. That's part of understanding God on the bigger picture. So it's, there was a great reference that you brought up there. Another thing that I could see here, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, so they kept going, they held on to it. That's, that's what it's describing there. That's part of the prerequisites that God's looking for, that you guys are, you've got it right and you are pressing on. You're not letting something deter you. I will keep you from the hour of testing. The hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those that dwell upon the earth. Now, some people want to use that. Oh, there's a, that's the rapture. That's going to take us out of here. <laughs> no, come on. You know, that's that's just, again, taking it the way you want to take it. You know, is there a time that we've seen throughout history where God has brought calamities and has protected his people through it all the time? The people of Israel, when they were in Egypt, he had Goshen. He brought plagues on Pharaoh and all the people of Egypt, and he shielded Goshen. You know, and many other events you can look through where calamities came, and the people who stayed true to God were kept and protected by him. How many people, how many stories have we heard? And and you were in New York on 9-11, 2001. How many people have you heard stories from who didn't go to work that day, who worked in the Twin Towers, but for some reason, you know, car broke down, child was sick, um, you know, and and it is certainly not to suggest that everybody who perished that day was was guilty at all. Um, But there's there's something about just being totally devoted to God and um, being dependent upon his word, just listening, seeking, seeking that spiritual desire to be connected with him spiritually um, on a daily basis that, that certainly protects uh, to an extent. Like, I mean, sometimes people are appointed to be martyrs, I guess, but. Well, even the word martyr actually means a witness. It's not really a person who gets killed for it, but exactly. I mean, the the big simplicity that everyone needs to grab a hold of is your job is to just press into God and to know him and and devote yourself to him. He knows your lifespan. He makes the decisions who's going when, you know, again, death is not necessarily a punishment. You know, even what we go to, even Paul, he went through a certain turmoil that was a thorn in his side and god said my grace is sufficient for you so you know the key is as long as you're in alignment with god whatever he brings you through that's his decision and if he wants to keep you like look if he makes a decision i am having this calamity happen and it's specifically designed for those who are going to be against me i mean revelation will go on later on where those who hated him it's like he brought these these plagues and they were 
cursing the name of God. They didn't, they would not, you know, humble themselves still, you know, there was, you know, tumors and this things and, you know, sufferings and, you know, God can shield others from that. I mean, I could see it on a practical level. I mean, look at this, you know, and I'll get a little controversial, the vaccine. For those who really pressed into God and really wanted to trust God through this, as opposed to the hand of man, you know, knew and made the wise decision to refrain from touching this dangerous substance that actually is now being proven over and over again. If you're actually looking for the real research to not do anything to help you and only has been hurting people and killing people. So there is a practical example. I, I was kept as I'm just using myself. I was kept by God from that calamity that came upon many others because they chose by their carnal knowledge and fear as opposed to trusting God. Now, many of them, granted, don't even seek God, but there are plenty who claim to and had made that choice because they were trying to preserve their own life. Because the reality is this. We're not here to fear for our own lives. You know, if we refrain from something you know, and then can't use these excuses, oh, you're protecting somebody else. That's all baloney. You got to really understand how this stuff works. We're not here to fear for our own lives. If God says it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go. All right. So you didn't get to you think you're going to take a vaccine. You get hit by a bus or you don't take the vaccine. You know, you fall off a cliff. I mean, these things happen to people. We don't preserve our own life. And if you truly have faith in God. You don't live in fear for your life. Oh, my God, there's a disease coming. Oh, my God, there's, you know, they're going to nuke us over here. That's the next thing that's coming that they try to talk about, that we're going to have nuclear bombs. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. If it is or it isn't, I'm not worried about it. You know, that's that God knows everything that's going on. Our job is to press into him. And if he wants us to to live on and he has purposes for us but like uh, as an individual, He'll shield you from whatever happens if it happens. You know, if a nuclear bomb goes off, if it doesn't go off, if it's an EMP or if it's not an EMP, you know, you can you you could take decent precautions, but not in the sense of fearing for your life. Yeah. You know, there's, there's there's a wisdom of just you know being you know right for a situation, but not to fear you know. I yeah. have to preserve my life. There, there's certainly a, an aspect of of wisdom and not living in fear. And I know, I know, I can't tell you how many dozens of people that I know personally who got the vaccine, either the first round or the, or the second round, who now regret that they did, um, and would say, if I had to do it over again, I would not. You know, but people are so indoctrinated by the world system. A lot of a lot of us have just learned we just do what we're told we're you know it, it's on the news it must be right it, the government is saying it it must be right it's even our churches many of our people who go to you know that in in their churches they're being told like this is what you are to do and um i think that's part of the grace of god if we talk about the specific advance uh example uh as the vaccine whereas so much grace the grace of God for people that, okay, maybe the first one, you didn't have that much knowledge and that's what the most people took, but that was probably the most benign out of all of them. 
But after the information started coming out, you got the first booster, second booster, third booster. And each one was almost like a, pro a progression of like, okay, you just lowered your chances more. You lowered your chances more. You, you know, if you've taken all yeah. those boosters by now, you pretty much proved to yourself and exposed, you know, where God would say, hey, <laughs> you you went on with all these boosters. After all that information was ready for you to know that what else, what other, there's no more excuse, you know? Well, and the sad and scary thing is I have people I love, family members, friends, people who I, I love who are so opposed to the truth. They will, it, it, and it doesn't even matter like, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a libertarian, I'm apolitical, whatever. There are so many people, I, they're unwilling to speak about it. Like, it's just, it, it's so, it's so sad to me. And I, I pray for, I pray that they'll be willing to just be open to the truth. Cause it, it at the end of the day, it's, do you want the truth or not? That's right. Do you want the truth or not? It's not my facts versus your facts. It's not, there's. The whole idea of, of relativism is all hogwash. I mean, two plus two is four. And if you're going to tell me that two plus two is seven or three or five or whatever you want it to be, I'm sorry, we're in different universes. And you can believe whatever you want, but it's not going to go well for you. Um, you know, be, be a cash, run a cash register at Walmart. And at the end of the day, come up short on your money. You're going to lose your job. It doesn't matter that that your opinion was adding differently. It, it, it just doesn't matter. It's so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Okay. And that's Where the that's the understanding with God. You know, it's 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 good to love people, you know, love your family or whatever, but the truth is the truth, and that's what must prevail. And like you said, the best thing you could do for those people is pray for them that they would get the revelation. You know, you do the best you can, but they, you know, that does not, you know, it doesn't inhibit you in your relationship or, you know, you, you know, nobody's, nobody's uh, innocent in this life. That's the bottom line that everybody is getting the revelation of. There's nobody innocent, you know, that's why Yeshua said, you know, anyone who loves mother, father, daughter more than me. So it means if you start to yield because you love somebody and it's like, oh, well, you know, there are all my loved ones are taking the vaccine. Just using that as an example, there's many other things. I, I'll just do it anyway, because they are. Well, now you have done exactly what Yeshua said. Anyone who loves mother, father, daughter, you know, more than me is not worthy. So if the truth is showing you otherwise, but yet your affinity to other people, family members, friends, allows you to make a decision according to that. You're not worthy of the kingdom of God. That is the truth. Yeah. So, so, the so repent. Exactly. And the best thing we can do is be that beacon of light and tell them the truth. If they don't want to hear, then you just can only pray for them. You don't need to badger them. You know, they've heard. And now you just pray for them. And God willing, there will be a repentance, like you said. Yeah. God, God, your mercy. Verse 12. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. 
and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Lots of lots of reference to God and my name and being from heaven um, and a pillar, a pillar. What does a pillar do? It's like, it's, up. it's part of the, yeah, it's, it, it comes off the foundation to hold up the structure and is essential to the structure staying, staying in, in being in full integrity according to the foundation. Mm. Now, just it's this is very powerful what you just rewrote read over here. And but remember what it's what it starts with. He who overcomes. So this should make anybody who is reading to realize again what's been repeated over and over in this through this through the gospels and through the letters that this is not an easy thing to achieve to just be saved as people think. This is not some I said a prayer and I got it. This is something you have to overcome, which means you're overcoming yourself. You're going through all the trials and tribulations of life where you're constantly coming up against yourself in all different aspects, financially, family, your own desires, the way you like God, you know, sexual things, all different aspects. You're facing it and you're pressing on and you're seeking the truth to truly know him and be matured into his likeness and are being validated by him. He shows it through power as you have a little power if you're doing it right. So now we're talking about these real good overcoming people, which are the true remnant that God knew from the beginning. And we're figuring out if we're that people as we progress. That those people will be the pillars. Those people are like Paul said, you'll be able to judge angels. You'll be mature enough to work out all type, types of situations. You know, you won't be going to court with one another. You're not going to be thinking of what's mine. You're overcoming and being able to be made into God's image. That's what it meant when it says in the scriptures that let us make man in our image. That was being told from the beginning what the design of man was supposed to be. And then Adam ruined it for us. And Yeshua is, being, is helping us to be made back into God's image. And then we can attain to the actual purpose and design that God had for Adam in the first place, which was to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals. We were supposed to be the authorities. We are sons under the father who have authority. Those are the people who overcome that have a new name, that are have a great identifier in authority and power in God because they have gone through the transformation process. They were part of the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem means the flow of peace. Yeru Shalem. That's what that means. Shalem, Shalom, peace. Yeru comes from a word means to flow, the flow of peace. So the new Jerusalem we will be a part of because we've been designed for it, which is the idea that we think of as heaven. It's dwelling with God together in his realm, and we're operating in our true identity of who we are.
and his new name, his new name. So how does Yeshua get a new name? But it's if you think about it, like you said, if the name is an authority or a cause or the the identity, um, it's what he's doing in the earth in this new season that's coming forth. Yeah, there's a lot to that. I mean, you know, I mean, my new name, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look into that more. Why would he say my new name? My new authority, my so something different, maybe. I guess see what the word is. It actually new there, or is it a different word? You see well, that the name is the Onoma. Not sure if I'm probably pronouncing that right. And then let's see, the new is Strong's twenty five thirty seven. Yeah, it's the same word every time. New, fresh, Kahinos. Okay. Unused so, novel. So there's something uh, like uh, some type of new authority, some type of new perspective, obviously something different than what we're familiar with. Could it be a reference to, um, well, I mean, it's talking about the new Jerusalem. Could it be a reference to the millennial reign and how he's in physical power like not in this hidden kingdom anymore like reigning overtly that's possible i mean because when he comes back he's not coming back as the lamb that's how we all know him right now who took away the sins of the world and is now at the right hand of the father you know constantly mediating for us as it says <laughs> and uh but when he comes, he's coming with a rod of iron to subdue the whole world. So yeah. there's a where he's coming as the lion, as it says, the lion of the of the son of David will sit on the David's throne. <clears throat> so maybe that's the aspect it's talking about, possibly. Again, we're chewing on it together. I don't have yeah. it all together, everybody. I mean, I, I'm just here to help. I'm here to sort of open up perspectives. I'm not here to give you the fish. I'm trying to help you learn how to fish so that we can all grow up together as a mature kingdom, everybody in their role. So we do this. Yeah, together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then again, verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches, to the ecclesias. And I would just say, let's all pray. Let's pray daily that God would give us ears to hear what he is saying. Again, not physical ears, but an understanding and ability to spiritually receive and allow it to become part of us what God is saying, what he is doing, so that we're not dependent upon religion and rules. Amen. You know, God does have an order. Religion creates a man-made order that does not glorify God. But God has an order, a design that expresses him and truly glorifies him and it shines. That's the difference. But we have to learn that. We have to grow in the knowledge of him and by his spirit, learn how to properly operate in him where he gets glory and is not being detracted from, which is constantly done all over the place. It should be exciting when we get together with fellow believers. It should be uplifting. It should be encouraging. It should be joy. 
if we're just going there and it's like, here, we got sitting at the show for two hours looking at our phones, you know, and then we're going home and having a barbecue, whatever it is. What's the point? That's not what I'm in it for. That's what I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been the church and Philadelphia, the church in Philadelphia or at Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. My friends, I hope you found this helpful in some way. We would love your feedback. We would love to hear your comments, whether you agree or disagree. We don't claim to have it all figured out, but we're just on a journey together to discern greater levels of truth and understanding. So please do share. And if you found this helpful, we'd love it if you would um, share this with people in your circles too, just trying to get the word out. And um, to God be all the glory. Amen.